0: Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Butkus. Direct from the 312, join host Pete Hassan, Matt Amendola, and Matt Butkus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Butkus Beyond the Line. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome into Buckus Beyond the Line. We think you will absolutely love the talk that we have today with our guest, 14 year NFL cornerback Ray Crockett, who has a book called Bump and Run. It's about an undersized football player with no shot at success who used a unique defensive technique to advance himself to high school, college, and to NFL stardom. But first, the huddle. 989 on two on two on two. Ready? Three. On two on two on two. Ready? Great. Guys, it's been a few weeks since some major news in the NFL shook down with some player moves and transactions. But we just haven't gotten a chance to talk about this. I mean, there's some major shakeups going on here. Russell Wilson is now the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. The man who was the main target for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, moves over out of the Central Division and becomes a Raider. You have Tyreek Hill leaving Patrick Mahomes and going to Miami. I mean, Matt, Matt, like this is upheaval in the NFL. Like this these are some major names moving.
1: Right. And there's obviously a team that's not in that (laughs) that we're not talking about in that mix.
0: Well, the Bears? Yeah. Yeah, they gotta figure stuff out, Matt. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you can't just. They they did okay. that before, right? They got they got a uh, well. I mean, you could say they were a little bit in the news uh, since Mac left, right? Let yeah. I me. Mean, well, you they could got say, some players. Yeah, they. I mean, right. Yeah, may, so- maybe it hasn't been the. Show-stopping flash. attraction, right? right? Yeah, right. yeah.
2: You know, I think one of the biggest news is definitely Tom Brady coming back. Obviously, that's huge. That's going to totally reface the Buccaneers' chances as far as you know next season and if they're playoff bound or not. I mean, to see Tyreek Hill make the move to uh, make the move to uh, Miami, it's especially after the Devonte Adams deal, kind of setting the stage for as much money that he was set up to make. So. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Do you think Miami's going to see a big change with Tyreek Hill on the team? Well, I know
1: he's from there, so he said he always wanted to play at home. But Tom Brady, your brother played, caught some touchdown passes from him in the Super Bowl.
2: Oh, yeah. You've met him. What what kind of guy is he? Great guy, great family, incredible worker. In Foxborough, really was known for having a key to the stadium. He was up there all the time. I mean, I can't say enough about him. Tom is just—he's a great competitor. One, and he's a great preparer too. He he prepares unlike a lot of people. So I think that's why the that's, longevity that's with Mr. Brady. Believe yeah, it I, or not,
1: people yeah. don't know what these players put in out. You know, you turn on the TV, it's not, and they're catching touchdowns.
0: It's—they
1: don't know it behind the scenes, you know.
0: Couple other moves, guys. I want just want your thoughts on that. I thought were kind of under the radar a little bit compared to the other ones, but the. Indianapolis Colts getting Matt Ryan, which, you know, I mean, you could say a little bit long in the tooth, but they've had an issue at quarterback with consistency. And if, if anything, Matt Ryan's probably more consistent than anybody, than Carson Wentz for sure, but anybody they've had in, in the last couple of years. And then the other one I, I liked a lot for Tennessee was Robert Woods. And Robert Woods, coming off an injury, was with the Rams, slot kind of guy. Trojan. He is a USC Trojan. Why, well, bring it up, Matt. I, I, I have to either go. bring up a Buckus Award winner or a Trojan for you on every show. Or there's not a lot
1: of Chippewas.
0: <laughs> no, not a lot of Central <laughs> Michigan Chippewas in this draft, no, or or in the league anymore. But, but hey, we had a number one overall not too long ago. That's so. nice. But those kind of little shifty moves like that, I mean – Robert Woods opens up some stuff for Tennessee, the, and they have some threats on the edge, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, the, I think that's the, both of those guy, moves change that division. And the
1: other guy from uh, Green Bay, the receiver, went to Kansas City.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Like the three-name guy, Scanlon something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: So, Correct, yes. Uh, what, what do you guys think? These types of moves, although they're not the showstoppers, but th- these are teams that obviously see a need, fill that hole and um I you know i think that makes them both those teams are better if you can say anything about going into next year in the nfl i mean it's wide open Yeah, it's wide yeah, open
2: well, one one thing i definitely I and mean, you were kind of touching on it with matt ryan going to indianapolis uh, another peculiar yet i mean because we were all kind of wondering where russell wilson was going to end up and so uh, between the matt ryan to the colts and Russell Wilson to, the, and to Denver to see how the two dynamics of those teams change from one season to the next just by adding those quarterbacks. I think that'll be pretty uh, pretty interesting. For, you know, not not only at the beginning but just throughout the whole season. Absolutely.
0: Well, we'll see with the draft coming up and and a lot of time between you know with mini camps and optionals and uh, all kinds of things before the before the actual training camps start up in in the middle of the summer. I'm sure there's going to be a few more moves, but we're going to keep an eye on it here on Buckets Beyond the Line. And we'd love to get your feedback on what you guys are seeing out there in the league. So, but we'll be back with our guests here in a minute.
2: AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, one 877 web one
0: We are honored at Butkus Beyond the Line today to have 14-year NFL defensive back, two-time Super Bowl champion, and now really uh, an esteemed author, Ray Crockett joins us today. Ray, how are you and where are you?
3: I'm all good, brothers. I'm actually in Dallas, Texas, chilling, feeling good on a, on a kind of muggy day today. It's, it's supposed to have been nice, but yeah, I think they surprised me. <laughs> Which Dallas does from time to time. Where are you guys located?
0: We're in Chicago. We're in Chicago, and uh, we are, like I said, just so excited to have you on because uh, not only your NFL background, but what this podcast is all about, and what Dick Buckus has meant to a lot of people is just as much what he did on the field, maybe, but even more so off. Right, and we know that you led such an amazing career. The Super Bowls alone, but all the effort on the field, but some of the things you're doing off and have done off and and you're no stranger to Dick Buckus. Isn't that right? I mean, uh, I think we we think we know there was an ESPN reality show out there that maybe you were introduced to Mr. Buckus at one time.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Buckus is my guy. Actually, it's so crazy that you mentioned that and the way you mentioned it is exactly how I approached it when I retired or whatever, I was doing radio TV, working for uh, the Best Down Sports Show, had my own radio show in LA and working on Fox as well in LA. And uh, my uh, (laughs) my agent and publicist got me on with the show Bound for Glory. And I read, you know, read the script and uh, understood it and everything was cool. And so I come in, actually it's so crazy how the show was kind of written up. It was written up where Dick, Went in, of course, with uh, monitor to school out in uh, Pennsylvania and started to help coaching or whatever. And, you know, him being an older stature at the time and myself at the time, being the younger statesman, you know, the very new guy that came out of the league, you know, just retiring. Dick kind of called me in for reinforcement. <laughs> 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 like You know, he, he needed some help trying to relate to these young kids, you know, these high school kids and these and quite frankly, these coaches as well. So I was a kind of doing it in between, in between the two, you know, as far as that goes. And when I first arrived there, I did just what you guys just did. I was like, how you doing, Mr. Buckus? <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was like, Ray, don't you give me that shit. <laughs> he was like, you, you better call me Dick. <laughs> he said, you better call me Dick. I was like, all right, sir. <laughs> like, all, right, all right, sir. sir.
0: <laughs> what did you take away after the first introduction, which everybody, I mean, I remember the first time meeting Matt's dad, and I was like a little nervous. Like, you know, all you ever saw were these old NFL films and them ripping people's heads off, but couldn't even be more kinder, you know, such a gentle soul and somebody's always trying to help others and just really approachable and, uh, uh, you know, the whole family's fantastic. But what did you take away from your time with him? I mean, how was the interaction during the show?
3: Oh, man, it was amazing. It was amazing. I took away a couple of things. One, just what you just said, Um, he could not be totally, totally different, you know, as as far as him on the field as he is off the field. I mean, of course, I knew who Dick Buckers was. I'm a defensive guy. I played with the Lions. We played the Bears. You know, every, every year, twice a year, whatever. And 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 I was in that stadium uh, many a time, Soldier Field, and looking at Dick Buckers highlights before the game. You know, they they played that all the time as far as for the uh, for the Bears and to get the fans fired up. And then uh, as far as walking around the stadium you saw dick Buckers as well and then i've seen gail sayers is one of my favorite players Uh, growing up as far as since I was a smaller running back I I really wasn't intended to play DB I thought I was going to be a wide receiver running back throughout my football career so Gail Sayers Tony Dor said you know the smaller scat backs were the guys that I really kept up with and you know with Gail and Dick being on the same team you you just you couldn't help but to to watch that film and, and watch how he played man he was incredible on the field and 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 that's kind of what, how he was, you know, off the field. When you look at him on the field, like you said, he'll tear a guy's head off. But then you also would see him on the sideline, hugged up with Gail Sayers or somebody else. You know what I'm saying? He was the same way in, in real life. He'll tear your head off in real life. He was a no-nonsense guy. I, I'm going to tell you one story about him that, that will really tell you how he was, and you guys can understand it. One time we were at practice, and the head coach of uh of Montour was getting the guys lined up and getting the players lined up and talking to these high school guys. And 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 Dick, for whatever reason, Dick was about fed up with it. You know, he he didn't agree with some of the things the way they were coaching and some of the things the high school coaches were doing and, and trying to get these players to do. And he and the head coach literally got into a fight <laughs> <laughs> on the field. In front of the kids that I had to break up,
0: I was like, I mean, I was, shit. Okay, I was looking, I'm looking at uh, Bucko over here. I'm going, Bucko. Does this sound familiar at all? I mean, yeah. does this sound like a, you sound like a guy you grew up
1: with? I totally remember that. Remember, I came to visit. I surprised you guys one weekend, and he had horrific stories about a show that was set up, you know, scripted, but but also off the cuff. And they were like, they didn't even respect. It seemed like the coaches. They were like you guys don't know what you're talking about, you know, right? Mentor was like, oh, and 14. And my dad's like, well, maybe you should try to change up yeah, the defense yeah. or play a six, one or, or something. And they're yeah, like, exactly. what, what are you telling us what to do? And all this stuff. And he's like, pretty much, he's like, I'm out of here. Remember that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, that I definitely remember. It. And, and Dick, <laughs> Dick and myself, we were on the same page as far as that goes. I mean, he and I, we both looked at the offense was old and, and stagnant and, and, and outdated. The defense was the same. So we went and, and and for the first, say, probably two or three days, Dick and I just watched and, and and kind of, you know, just wanted to feel our way through or whatever. Well, Dick had already watched it longer than myself. So by the time I got there and and wanted to say, you know, this ain't gonna work. You, who, Dick was Hey, Who are you more up, uh, you know, frustrated you know,
2: with, the the players or the coaches, or how did that experience go?
3: I mean, he was more frustrated with the coaches, simply because, I mean, here we were, we were brought there to help turn the program around. That was the premise of the you know of the show was to see if myself and Dick could, well, Dick more more so than myself, but see if he could you know bring Dick Buckus in, you know, a guy you know who who. Knows the game of football, Hall of Famer, things of that nature, and then bringing myself in to see if we could help turn this program around. And, you know, Dick wanted results. You know what I'm saying? He, 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 didn't, he didn't come there to, to be 0-15 again. He was like, first and foremost, we got to get something that, you know, that these kids are excited about. You know, and, that, and that's kind of what he told the coaches. He was like, look, you guys are 0-14 running this same stuff. <laughs> this is not going to work, you know, and, and the coach was like, you know, you know, Hey, we know these kids better than you guys, this, that, and the other. And, and finally it, it just exploded. And, and Dick threw a, threw a couple of haymakers at <laughs> him. Well, I, I know the
0: experience didn't <laughs> oh,
3: dire.
0: I know the experience didn't keep you away from television. I mean, it must not have been that bad. I know you did a game show at one point. But the one that uh, intrigued me, I wanted to hear a little bit more about was uh, I think it was called Thirty Days. Was that right? With Morgan Spurlock who I love the movie, Supersize Me. I I thought that was great. So getting to work with Morgan, but then the story around it, which, you know, I think people remember you from Denver, but you had time in Detroit when you were familiar with uh, Mike Utley. I don't know if many people who are listening to this saw that and what it was about, you know, pretty, pretty amazing premise.
3: Yeah, man. uh, With Morgan Spurlock, I was called in and he and I had uh, talked about the premise of the show and he was telling me about it. and, And I just thought it was an amazing premise. But what it was was basically it was to bring awareness to, you know, the disabled community. And for me, like you said, I experienced it firsthand because I was uh, drafted with uh, Mike Utley. He and I got drafted to Detroit together. We're really, really close friends throughout their career, throughout his career, my career. And he got paralyzed on the field during uh, I think it was during the Rams game at home. And it was just a freak accident. But uh, if you know, I mean, if you go back for the fans out there who who are listening to you guys, you have to go back and research it. uh, It's called 30 Days. but the premise was I spent 30 days in a wheelchair and and I did everything that the disabled community Mm -hmm. had to do from getting dressed, from driving my car. I mean, I drove my car with my hands. I mean, everything. I redid my whole house with a uh, wheelchair access and everything ramps and everything to get out of my bed. And it was bad. It was, was eye opening. And it was amazing to do for myself. And quite frankly, my family as well had to adapt. You know, I had a wife and kids at the time. And so my wife had to uh, adapt to it. And my kids had to adapt to dad being in a wheelchair. And my younger son was, you know, he didn't know he thought it was for real. You know, we tried to explain it to him. But as the tenth day and eleventh day went on, and I continued, you know, I had I continued on at the lifestyle of, of a disabled, you know, person from the waist down. My son was like, "Dad, are you ever gonna get out of this chair for real?" Like, you know, he got you know, it was serious, and you know, that, it was crazy, man. But I wanted to do it, you know, because Mike had been telling me a, a lot of stories about his problems and and the things that he had to go through you know being a disabled person Mm -hmm. at now you know from being an athlete and i thought it was something and and during this time i was in the real estate business as well so i understood like wheelchair accessibility and, Mm -hmm. and ramps and things of that nature and there were a lot of places in dallas that i would look at and i would be like how the hell is a disabled person going to get in this place? You yeah. know, like looking how it was, I mean, it was poorly we done for granted,
0: right? We take it for granted. So right? To show granted. that on
3: television. Yeah. Yeah. To show that on television, I actually helped change a bunch of real estate laws as far as where would you put the ramp in, how steep the ramp could be and all that stuff. So it really, it, it got a lot accomplished because there was a couple of places, man, I swear me being an able-bodied person at the time and strong, you know, as far as with my upper body and things of that nature, I couldn't even get up some of these ramps, you know, some of the ramps that they had and some of the places that, you know, the area was very tight for wheelchair accessibility. So it just really helped change some of the laws, you know, in, in the real estate game, as far as how they built communities and stuff. And then as well with how people saw, you know, the the disabled community. I mean, I remember the first time I tried to get Jets, it took me about two hours. (laughs) So it was pretty crazy, man. So yeah, man, that was great. If you want to take a look out there, you know, for for the guys listening, it was called 30 Days. It's still up there. A lot of people still talk to me about it to this day. They go back and watch it. So it was it was really eye opening.
0: We'll talk a little bit about your time in the NFL. We certainly want to get to your book. You know, your time with the Broncos, two Super Bowls Tell us a little bit. I mean, listen. I'm a I'm a long suffering Buffalo Bills fan. I'm a Bills mafia. Getting there close four times and losing is still rough. I don't know how it is for for those guys, but two times winning that has to be still some of the most special times in your life.
3: Oh man, no doubt. I mean, it was it was the pinnacle. You know that that is the pinnacle of of what you play the game for. I mean, anybody who tells you anything different is lying. You know, of course, if you don't win one, you have to settle for that, and, and <laughs> you have to make something else up and say, well, you know, I was never planned. You know, I was never planned to win a Super Bowl. I was paying for the money. What? Well, that's BS. Anybody that plays in the NFL would tell you that to have that confetti fall down on your face is nothing like it. It's euphoria. You can't even you can't even explain the the feeling. Until it does. You know, you can't explain the feeling of of the confetti falling in you as a winner and you can't explain the feeling of the confetti falling you as a loser. You know, it's, it's, it's totally two different sides of the mountain. It's heartbreak on one side and it's just crazy, crazy ecstatic happiness on the other side. But it's major. And for me, you know, I didn't get there until my ninth year. But I got to the NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions, you know, with that wonderful year we had, the, the Mike Udley year, as a matter of fact. You know, we, we played out of our minds that year, and, and a lot of it was because of Mike Udley, you know, with him being paralyzed, we our thumbs up. We named it the thumbs up season. And to lose to Washington in the NFC Championship game and not be able to go to the Super Bowl and then watch Washington win the Super Bowl, Against man, the it was heartbreak man yeah it was heart yeah exactly you're right against the bill <laughs> it was heartbreak and then to finally go back and it's so crazy what's so crazy about the two years we won was a lot of people don't even realize 96 the year before we were we were actually better i felt i so we won it actually three years in a row we were the best team in the amc 96 and we messed around had home field advantage throughout the playoffs and let jacksonville we took them for granted you know they were an expansion team we took them for granted they came in and they actually got up on us you guys you know who play football understand momentum is is real and they got up on us we fall back fall back and they ended up beating us by three so that was like the year that we all made a pack. we came back after that 13 and 3 year and we were like look I don't give a crap what happens. <laughs> what sure. your parents look, what your parents are doing, what your wife is doing, what your kids are doing. You better be all in for this season because we wanted to. You know, we wanted to win a Super Bowl that bad, and, and when we did it, man, it was crazy. Just, just, man. I look. I, I feel like the confetti falling on my face again right now. <laughs> it was, it was wonderful.
0: You have those highs, right? You just can't compare it to being at that level and having that kind of achievement, but. I want to get into bump and run, Ray, you know, this, I called you an esteemed author now and anybody who's been able to pick up the book and read it knows that, you know, those high times are great, but there's also times that maybe test you. Right. And we've talked to a lot of former players on Buckus beyond the line already that we talk about the glory days. We talk about uh, college and, uh, and everything, but what well, a lot of the great conversations that we're having is what happens after you leave football and, the transition for some players is harder than others. You know, there are opportunities, but what is your path? And, you know, bump and run to me, you know, overcoming obstacles, trying to figure yourself out through all that. And I just want to say, I think it's, it's a wonderful book and maybe tell us a little bit about why you came about writing it.
3: Yeah, man. It, it, I mean, bump and run was really basically exactly what my life was all about throughout the, my career before and after the league. Bump and run is, uh, for most people out there that are listening, they understand the premise of it as a football term. You know, when you get up close and personal to the wide receiver and you become the dictator, which is, is basically what bump and run, the technique is. And my unique ability to do that was what made me, as far as high school, college, and the pros, able to be a professional football player because a lot of people know who I am watching the old film, but for those who don't, I'm only 5'10", 180 pounds, 185 pounds is what I played at in the league. The Combines gave me 5'9 and 3 quarters, which kind of pissed me off. You know, they stole a quarter of an inch from me, but, you know, I tell everybody 5'10", <laughs> but I'm, I'm not big, let's just put it that way. So my ability to get up close and personal to a wide receiver, I was strong enough, quick enough, and fast enough, To really become a dictator, and without that technique, there's no way I would have lasted in the league as long as I did, and possibly never, probably would have even made it into the league, quite frankly, you know, because it was it was a really a difficult challenge playing off coverage. The receiver has all the control as far as that. You know, they are the dictators when you play off coverage. That's why Bumpy run was created. But for me, that's how. I became all state, all, you know, all American and all that stuff from high school, college and then, you know, getting drafted into the pros and the play as long as I did. So right. talking about the transition from the NFL to life, that's kind of what I was doing. I mean, I, I came out at that point, you're mm-hmm. free, you know, all of the, the parameters and all of the, as they say, the time consuming things that you had in, in the And the way your schedule was dictated to you, it's all taken away and you're totally free to do whatever you want. And for a lot of us, a lot of us we're free with a lot of money, you know, but we are really behind the curve. We're really behind the curve in life as as athletes. And and people don't look at it that way, but we are things that guys did at 21, 24, 25 things they learn to do. We didn't learn to do those things because we were, you know, on a strict regimen and a strict schedule. So a lot of stuff we didn't learn how to navigate our way through life. We're learning this stuff at life for me at 36 when I retired. I'm learning how to do some of the things a 24 year old have done 1000 times. I'm sure, doing for absolutely. the first time.
2: As far as your personal experience and your emotional experience writing this book, how did that go for you? And what did you learn about yourself that you didn't know
3: before? First and foremost, when you start writing a a book, especially if you're writing a book about yourself like I was, I didn't realize that I had accomplished a lot of things that I did. And then I didn't, you know, I didn't realize how hard it was or it is to put those things into thought and on paper. I mean, it's easy to tell a story, Mm -hmm. but it's one thing to tell a story in in a way that people can, one, understand it and people can, two really relate absolutely
2: to. what would an older ray say to a younger ray after you wrote the book after you've been through those experiences and relived those and and kind of grown with it what would you said to a younger version of yourself
3: that's kind of a difficult question on it because you know without the going through the trials and, and the tribulations and the mistakes that you make you know that's that's who makes you sure. know how you become who you are but I would definitely tell a younger way, I guess if I could reach back, I would tell me to really assess and, and you know and to really look at every situation for what it is and, and not take a lot of you know people and in, in situations for granted. You kind of think that that your your celebrity is transferable. From the NFL to the real world, well, it's not.
2: Those lines can get blurry.
3: Yeah, you really have to start over and, and, and go ground zero in every situation that you go in. Go into it, humble yourself, go into it as as a one instead of trying to go into it as a ten.
2: Absolutely, Rag. Can't wait to get into the book. It sounds great. We talked about it earlier in the week. Can't wait to read it. Can't wait to pick it up.
3: I oh, appreciate it. Yeah. And, and what it, it really does, man, it just chronicles, like I said, what, the reason why I really wanted to write the book was because I saw so many of my, you know, NFL partners and NFL alumnus that were suffering the same way I was, but nobody was talking about it at the time. You know, nobody would, would come out because we learn as NFL players, as you guys know, we learned not to show our emotion you know that uh, you know tough guy gladiator guy all that stuff and so That's many so people suffered alone and 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 then when junior Sayall and dave durson who i was good friends with when both of those guys committed suicide man and and i found myself in the same position, suffering from some of the same things. I said, man, you know what? I want to open up. I want to open up and I and I want to tell the story and be hot, as I call it. Honest, open, and transparent. So that's kind of how the book premise came yeah, definitely. about.
2: Hey, I have one question that I was reading through some of it as far as, you know, it goes through your spiritual beliefs and your unique technique that helps you kind of get through things. Can you kind of go into more detail on some of these, you know, unique techniques, some that helped you?
3: Yeah. And what bump and run, like I said, about the technique as a player in the NFL, basically what I had to do was go back and do the same thing with my life. When I would get in trouble on the football field, the first thing I would do to release and and save myself was I would go up and bump and run because I was like, hey, I am not going to allow a wide receiver to just catch the ball, you know, continually in front of me without oh, me going a, up and ass. putting my best foot forward. Yeah. yeah, and becoming mm-hmm. the dictator. So basically, that's what happened to me in life. When I left the league, I was playing off coverage with my life. I had multi-millions, and I, I was successful and celebrity, and, you know, with the two Super Bowls, everybody was loving sure. me, and all this stuff. So basically, I was playing off coverage with my life. And when things got rough, I had to get back, you know, up close mm-hmm. and personal, and guide and dictate my life back into shape. And my spirituality definitely helped me because when you start to look at, you know, the things that you lose as far as whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's your memory, you know, God can restore things, but you have to go back and really get back into it. You have to help yourself because, you know, as they say, faith without works is gotta dead. You got to put that in so You got to like, put
2: that in yes, like yep, yeah. Important.
3: yeah, so it's like you have to go back and you can't just pray your way back into shape, you know. Prayer is, is major, but you also have to put some work behind it, so you have to, you know, seek help. You have to get counseling. You have to go to therapy. You have to, you know, do the things. Basically, you can't just let let life dictate what you're going to do, you have to get back into the game. You have to get back up close and personal. You have to bump and run your way back into shape, you know, back into the, the graces, whether it's with the relationship mm-hmm. with your kids or, you know, with your mind, with your memory, with, with the depression, with anxiety, all those things. You have to attack those things or they're going to attack you. Wow.
2: Do you think you're ever going to write another book, Ray? I'm not sure.
3: I mean, <laughs> to be honest, if I do to be, I have an, mm-hmm. an idea. But it, it definitely would be a kid's book, this one, because, you know, the youth is suffering so much with social media and all the things that's going on throughout our youth, the bullying and all that stuff. And, and I, I just think that the two most dangerous words in the dictionary is compete and compare, which is what social media is all about. And these kids are, are really suffering, trying to live up. To somebody else's make-believe life or somebody else's dream life that they see on social media. And and I think, you know, with my spirituality, God gives everybody an individual journey. And these kids need to really start to learn how to, you know, live their own life and live, and, and really get out of the compete and compare well and just compete with themselves and be the best version wow, of themselves.
0: That's incredible. It's called sure. bump and run. It made me, it saved me. Ray, hey, we we got we got to ask you though. I know I mean I know you've talked about the Lions. Everybody knows about the Broncos had a a year with the Chiefs. I'm sure you're still kind of dialed back in on those Broncos, right? So We've been talking about the new quarterback, and well, I wanted to see if you wanted to weigh in on that. They got an ownership issue. They got a new quarterback. What do you expect out of your Broncos this year?
3: Oh, man, yeah, I'm definitely dialed in. I still do radio and TV for the Broncos, and, and with that being the place that I had a lot of success and, and I, my fanfare, definitely dialed in. And, and it, it was, first and foremost, it was incredible you know, that they got Russell Wilson. It was one of those things where, talking to the staff and and talking to the uh, front office, you know, John and I are still close. Uh, John Elway and myself are still close. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything in in the league right now without a quarterback. If you don't have that guy, you're going to, it's going to be hard for you to win big. You'll be able to win some games here and there or whatever. But in order to really compete, like the Broncos are accustomed to competing after having John Elway Mm -hmm. and uh, getting Peyton Manning, you know, when you have those two kind of guys, those two Hall of Fame pillar guys, you get accustomed to that. And, and the Broncos are, and the, and the Broncos country is accustomed to winning. So to get Russell was a I big, so. big deal because now you can build around us and, and you can say, hey, we got a guy. you know, mm-hmm. We got a guy who can win us a game. We got a guy who can win us a possession if need be. Once that happens, then you can really build a team. So it's exciting for Broncos country right now. I, I tell people all the time that Russell is is the 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 three things that John and Elway were. I mean, mm-hmm. that uh, Elway and Peyton Manning were. They were both, you know, really really cool guys off the field and could relate mm-hmm. to players. They were they were all champion you know mindset guys. You know, had all you know won the Super Bowl and been in the Super Bowl. And they were both look all cornered sure, up. absolutely. Well, I know there's going to be a lot of eyes, <laughs> a lot of a eyes man. on
2: Denver this year, especially with all the quarterback changes across the league. But especially that one, I think Russell Wilson can really do some special things there. Just want to say thanks for coming on the show today, Ray. You're awesome. I think what you're doing is great. And yeah, I can't wait to talk to you soon when you come back on the show.
3: Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Hey, look, any any time. And, and last thing I want to say, I try to end every show, especially mm-hmm. now. And, and, and really be serious about the, the mental you know, health part of it. And it's not just, you know, players. We know that, you know, people in life suffer with that as well. And, and I just want to say, man, it's help out there. So don't suffer alone. The, the one thing about mental you know, health I, I really learned through my time of, of being in therapy and counseling is that the enemy really wins when we're quiet and when we uh, kind of isolate ourselves. So the best way and the best thing you can do is, is to open your mouth and really talk to someone about your issues and, and go get help.
2: Absolutely right. And bump and run. <laughs> and bump and run.
3: <laughs> you are, look, you're all right, brother? You need to bump yeah, around your voice. Like, What's going yeah. on? That's a, that's a, <laughs> Fight, fighting a little bit of a cold here. I know, man. Look, I understand it. I understand it. it the weather is, is crazy in Chicago. I'm yeah. familiar. And, and and it can hit you man so get well soon brother look going go to get you go get up close and personal with your voice <laughs> that's
2: it i like to i think so too buddy all right ray we're going to holler at you soon brother all right brother thanks All
3: right, all right thanks appreciate ray you guys later
2: that was an inspiring episode we went over some personal hurdles mental health and social media awareness I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Matt Budkus and Pete Hassan. Follow us on social channels listed in the show description and the thebudkisaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbudkus.com. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms so you'll never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by americaneagle.com studios. I'm Matt Amendola, and we'll catch you on the next one.
0: AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1 877 WebNow1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1 877 W E B N O W 1.